Hey, what's up, guys? I hope you guys are having an extremely amazing night. Sorry for the big delay. We had one of our uh, co-hosts that had a little bit of technical difficulty. And you know that he's not all the time on time. But what can we do? It happens. We have to work with that, but it's fine. We're all here. And let's go ahead and start like we always say. Don't forget that if you can't see us live, you can see us at YouTube. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button on our YouTube um, channel. Right now, we have a total, I think, of four subscribers. That's all of you guys, um, little by little, getting to our channel. And plus, we're, we have a great um, content for you for the future. Right now, we're, um, we're still uh, not debating, but we're still uh, thinking of what we're going to do, how it's going to be worked. Uh, and it will be great content for you guys. Plus, don't forget that you guys, you can't see us you can listen to us. So pass by our podcast format. You can follow us in any of your favorite podcast platforms. All of our episodes are always up and live on the audio format on Sunday. So don't miss out and follow us and listen to us. You know how it is. So let's go ahead and present all of our hosts of this amazing show. So here we go. From the West Side, our director, filmmaker, and probably starring in the next Doctor Strange film, <laughs> Alejandro. Hey guys, and I will start in Doctor Strange. I promise you. I promise you. <laughs> Plus, you know that this is a very multiverse show. And not only that, you know, Doctor Strange is right there on the alley. And we're going to have another person that's going to be appearing in the, in the movie as well. Here you go with JP. I'm only appearing if I appear as Thor. All the abs, yeah. Okay, okay. But it's but do you want to be fat Thor or ab Thor? Thor. And okay. just, just, just Thor. Just yeah. Thor? Okay. And then even though you will see him probably in the credit scenes of the movie of Doctor Strange, because he's always late probably not gonna make it to make his lines we have chris hey guys i'm going to be uh yeah up up down in those end credits i'm gonna be uh i'm gonna be in like the the final like movie scene right after the credits roll that's that's where i'm gonna be at <laughs> yep. so okay guys so let's go with our first topic of the night let me go ahead and put uh, myself like this put the first one and i hope that this is the correct one I keep yeah, forgetting. Good, good. <laughs> Let's, see. Let's see. Yes, there you go. D&D Diversity Troubles loom from WOTC that we know that that's Wizard of the Coast. So a lot of things have been happening. We all know that Wizard of the Coast is not, I, I would say that it's not the friendliest company out there, even though each company has their flaws. But WOTC is always big in in those big issues of having with their workers and with people that they contract, let it them be freelancers or people that are working on the floor 24-7 to bring you great um, either D&D content or Magic the Gathering content. So we're having a big issue with like um, Wizard of Coast revising D&D books. They're revising old D&D books because they're thinking of bringing them back to the shelves for all of those um, Dungeons and Dragons fans. So um, before we go 
with uh with everybody carlos says what's up and i want to say that uh carlos while we were uh not uh live um the people from nonsense gaming send us a subscription a prime subscription in um twitch so before we go here is going to be our amazing topic of tonight before we continue there's something new you know the budget keeps rising in our show so we got background music now i know that probably everybody will listen to it at least us in the in the group but still we got we got our art still there (laughs) so guys so let's go ahead and start this um off the flake so go ahead uh christopher bring it to the house what do you think about this give us the 411 on what you think and give us like more detailed information about this i know that this was an article that you mm-hmm. sent us and we we all know that uh we love wizard of the coast but we know that they have a lot of big flaws so uh chris tell us uh, tell us what you think about this um give us the 411 of the issues that are going on with dungeons and dragons and wizard of the coast all right so I guess when you use the word issues, it doesn't really uh, describe what this article is talking about. Uh, like we mentioned before, the uh, the name of the article is The Long Road Ahead uh, Dungeons and Diversity. Uh, this is an article by belloflostsouls.net, and they got some of their information uh, from a Wired report. Um, I think that it really just kind of, uh, uh, like it has a really powerful like opening when it tells you you know, Dungeons, uh, you know, quoting directly from the article here, uh, Dungeons and Dragons has spent the last six months pushing for more diversity and inclusivity in the game, but addressing the baggage of 40 years takes time, even more so when so much of the work of inclusivity feels like it's falling on the shoulders of its fans. All right. So right now, what we're seeing with uh, Dungeons & Dragons, they're not only uh, making the game more uh, diverse and accessible for like the uh, for the characters and themselves, because this this is the thing. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons to me, it's always been, I guess you can say accessible because you don't need like a lot of uh, equipment. Sure, you can go all out. You can get like amazing dice sets and like stuff made on Etsy for like throwing your dice and little towers and figures. Yeah, but you don't really need a lot to play Dungeons & Dragons, you know. Uh, up to a certain point you just need a little bit of knowledge of some of his core mechanics and a good storyteller to simply be your dm and just take you through that story so in a lot of ways i think it's a very accessible game now when it comes to like the game's content in itself uh it talks about that baggage of 40 years in the making we have dnd starting back in like almost the 80s um and the races in dnd have always had certain distinctions like uh, just to get a, an example from the game, a lot of times, for example, orcs. Orcs are usually seen as these like wild people, very aggressive all the time. And a lot of times when you play an orc character, uh, usually their alignments tend to fall in between somewhere, uh, especially when represented by the game itself and not by the players. Um, they're usually represented as someone who's like the orcs are usually working under some like evil entity or there are their own thing but they're usually a very uh aggressive chaotic or evil race uh inherently so the talk of like uh races having a i guess you can say stereotypical alignment or like a standard alignment has been a talk for a while in the community because it's 
it's usually a very racially charged subject. So one of the things that uh, that Wizards has been trying to do in the last few years, especially with their book, uh, I think it was with uh, Eberron, um, if I'm not mistaken, and then with uh, Tasha's Cauldron and some of their previous books as well, they've tried to present other races, especially uh, those that are in inherently evil, like the orcs and the drow and the Druigar, which are from the Underdark, um, and trying to get them away from that stereotype that all orcs and all Druigar are like assumed, assumedly, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, um, evil. Um, we also have, in the case of the article itself, it talks about... Um, I'm trying to look up the name of the race over here. Hold on. Um, the Vistani. The Vistani, uh, as quoted by the article, that which is also uh, one of the... Uh, uh, from the Wired article, says here, the Vistani are a paper-thin Romani stereotype. And Watsi has promised, uh, Wizard of the Coast, has promised to update Curse of Strahd with the help of a Romani consultant. So what did they change or remove? Um, the article does talk about the changes they did to the Vistani, but, you know, it's basically talking about, and um, I don't know if this, like, word is, like, you know, politically correct to use, but as uh, how they would refer to the Romani people as, like, gypsies and stuff like that. Um, and they would usually be, like, these, uh, lo que le llaman el pícaro in, uh, in uh, Spanish literature. Um, kind of like the... You always assume when this character pops up, he's like really astute. He's like a thief. He likes to steal things. He just likes to make his world, uh, make his uh, his way through the world just by uh, outsmarting everybody. And sometimes that can have some neg well, not can it has had uh, negative connotations as presenting these people as not necessarily evil, but just kind of backstabbing and treasonous, which is something that they've been trying to work with in the case of the uh, Vistani, to just kind of remove that stereotype since clearly the Vistani is making a reference to the Romani people. Um, there's also another thing around here, but before I guess I get, I get into all the other stuff that the article talks about, um, one of the biggest things that really catches your eye when you read the uh, Bell of Lost Souls uh, article is that you have a figure of a what well, seems to be a barbarian dwarf with a wheelchair, with like an adventurer's wheelchair, well, wheelchair basically. Um, this has like to me raised a few questions. You're like, oh, like is it like a mechanical wheelchair that has like a uh, that what does what does allow the user to do um is it magical does it like function on its own because you know you don't see the character like wheeling himself or anything like you like uh having any uh, contact with his arms with the wheelchair or anything he's just ready for a fight like he's got his axes out and stuff and they even in one of their most uh, recent books i can't remember the name right now it's like 17 uh, i know it's uh, their new book which has like 17 adventures i think it's like uh, supposed to be set in like a library like there's 17 different stories which you kind of keep mysteries yes that's it candlekeep uh, mysteries thank you very much jp so and they uh if i'm not mistaken from what i was reading in one of the articles um they brought up a wheelchair accessible dungeon which to me was kind of exciting because i like when not only does this make this like accessible to players who want to play a character that they can relate to a lot more it also just adds a lot of creativity to it and Dungeons it also and Dragons, makes uh, it also makes sense. Uh, dungeons usually are like giant, giant, uh, giant buildings or underground, a lot of stone and pillars mm -hmm. and everything's built around. Do you think? Do you really think they're just gonna carry that stone? <laughs> 
through the stairs. Why would they do that when you <clears throat> push it through a ramp? Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah. but mm-hmm. the thing is that isn't this because the thing the one thing that mentions in the article as well is that mm-hmm. uh, this character was created by a campaign from Matt Mercer's um, D&D session mm-hmm. of Critical Role. And it's like it boosted to make that change in the mm-hmm. D&D adventure. It no, yeah. might have They're been really... that too, but I've also seen like a twi- uh, on Twitter, there was uh, like no, probably almost a year, maybe oh, a year and a half ago, there was this one person that made a, a magical item that was the wheelchair and they posted it on Twitter and because it, yeah, that, that DM had a, a wheelchair bound player and they wanted to play a wheelchair bound uh, PC. So uh, they, he made this magic item. It was very broken. Like you could keep on adding other stuff. You had all the tools. By, 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 by usual, usual homebrew standards, it was pretty average. But uh, a lot of, since you posted on Twitter, everyone's just looking at the, the, the most commonly played thing or not necessarily commonly played but how they use to balance things and you, they look at adventures league and they say oh that's way too broken for adventures league <laughs> uh, for those who don't know adventures league is like the the standard uh, uh, pro uh, a standard way to play dnd through uh, lgs's and other way uh, other places that uh, provide that service okay so, guys before um chris um <clears throat> continues to answer any type of question or anything uh carlos asks us says that not much almost done with my ships and now watching you guys upgrading myself my setup nice. but almost there to give an amazing streaming experience then not only that we got um shane Gar- garrett he says do you think party cards will see an increase in play Perhaps cards like Tajuru's Paragon, or do you think that the creature types will be everywhere? Um, dragons, demons, dwarves, um, anything possible, excited. Uh, Shane, I'm- we will definitely address that very soon because that just yeah. so happens to be the other topic that we're going to talk about. But to give you kind of a shorter answer on that, um, I would definitely be disappointed if we didn't get more party mechanic cards uh, in the Forgotten Realm set, considering that, again, it is based around D&D lore. So, mm-hmm. I don't know, I really would love to see not just party, but what other mechanics they can kind of, I guess you can say, bring from the game over to, uh, to you know, to Magic the Gathering. So that's definitely something we're going to talk about very soon. So just give us one second. <laughs> Uh, let yeah, me continue yeah. before I forget. Uh, so the wheelchair that she posted it on Twitter and everything was all about, uh, you know, uh, helping this player have everything that she wanted in her character. And everyone was like, I, I say everyone, but that's just a hyperbole. Uh, a lot of people were actually really, really mad at her or like, oh, that's broken, mm-hmm. you know. And it, it 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 sparked some outrage and not not from the part. From Wizards of the Coast, if that makes sense, like it was just yeah. the fans being uh, being angry. So, a lot of this diversity problems also include the fan base. That is very true. There is also a, like a huge element of community in uh, with Dungeons and Dragons. So that's why you kind of have another questions from the article. Not questions. Uh, the article doesn't really ask the question. It, ma- it more like makes a statement. Um, 
does the burden of making DD more accessible of making it more inclusive and diverse fall on the shoulders of the players or wizards of the coast uh, i do want to see what opinions you guys have on that uh, we'll start from the bottom up with uh, jp and uh, alejandro and then we'll uh, take john's uh, statement on that i feel like as part of the, the players players uh, depending on the player it all you know it's all it all depends on the players mostly because a lot of these things are just naturally included like we say when we play D, we homebrew a lot of stuff and you can play whatever uh, whatever feels comfortable so we already do that so it's uh, so so whether the responsibility is on us, I don't feel like it because Wizards of the Coast can just make it a bit more official, and they did in Tasha's, but it's kind of like just a small paragraph that says, "Oh yeah, you can just homebrew it. You just <laughs> yeah, you know, just homebrew it out," and that also sparked some some backlash. I see. Uh, I feel like it it it's squarely. I mean, wizards can do what they want, but I'm I'm gonna get a little little crazy here. Oof. It'll never be enough. It's not gonna be enough mm. because you need to address so many different aspects that'll never be enough, and they'll never be able to address every single critique the fans have. So the best bet is always to have just a base, which they have. It's been 40 years in the running, so they have a base. And players can just do whatever the hell they want with the game. That's what they've been doing again for 40 years. Sure, there's like very, uh, there's a lot of players who probably play a very like pure experience. Hence why the need to have all these things addressed. But I, I feel like you know they they Wizards does some things and it's not enough. And I there's other stuff being addressed beyond the the whole thing of like going back and fixing some of the previous books because they're also addressing some of the some of the content creators that have worked with Wizards to try to improve some of the stuff and their experiences haven't been good at all. So since Wizards isn't gonna do it. And I feel like even even if they got more people, more diverse people to handle this, it's just so many different aspects. Like, for example, you know, in all of this article, no one's addressed like Latino characters. Hmm. I, mean, I don't give a, I don't give up. I don't care. But I'm just saying, like, where's the Latino characters not being addressed? They're not even mentioned at all. Like they're talking about Romanians they're talking about people in wheelchairs. They're not talking about trans folk, by the way. They do say folk which is smart because then you make it more gender neutral but it's not being like strategically addressed either and you know like again it's just one of those things where the company is making fixes because they know it's 2020 and they have to <laughs> but i feel like it'll never be enough and it, it might be because of the fans demanding very specific things which you know like they could go ahead and make a character in a wheelchair that's perfect but then they have to make a character who's blind and they have to make a character who's missing like a limb and then they have to make and they can do all these things but it's just so it's like a minutia so so specific all these things that they would have to start addressing and you know these things take time wizards of the coast pre-plans everything so far back like they do it for magic magic takes like when you see a set that set was designed and tested and printed and all that like a year or a year and a half ago you know they so i'm guessing that for dnd they probably take the same amount of time kind of like uh, i don't know too much about the testing part and part of wizards no i know i don't know sets, but... you know, I say testing <laughs> very loosely but you know like in general i feel like they they pre pre-plan 
you know, a lot of these things from way back. So by the time they start addressing all these issues, they don't. They should be more open to like, uh, for example, they didn't address the thing like the miniatures. They didn't post it on Twitter. They should have. Like you lose nothing addressing like all the fan creations and all the fan things that fans do. You know, you lo- you literally lose nothing by kind of shouting that out because it gives ideas to other players to kind of like tweak their game. Be like, oh, someone made like a cool miniature of someone in a wheelchair. That gives me ideas for my next, um, you know, adventure. Doesn't have to be like it's a wheelchair character, but you know what I mean. Like, uh, they realize they don't have to be that limited, and that's great because that's the whole point. You know, like like Chris Chris loves a lot of homebrew homebrew adventures and i've been on a couple of homebrew adventures and don't quite follow like the books or whatever they kind of like have the base the bases you know throw the dice have the character ready have specific stats you kind of have to address but beyond that you kind of like go wherever you want so i think it's just easier if 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 just fans tweak it to their own liking like we do what we do in ddh like if there's proxies or if there's cards that we want to homebrew or if it's just this or that like we talk it out amongst our play group and we kind of tweak it and then we just go from there i agree okay. but i also disagree in something about the the it's been 40 years that's exactly why they need to change the uh, change some stuff because okay. it's been 40 years uh, Ed Greenwood, if I'm not mistaken, is the creator of the of the main setting of Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. and he started writing that se- that setting in 1967. You know, Warner Brothers uh, when they show uh, Looney Tunes and they say uh, like so sometimes they have a, like a bit offensive, like for current standards, sure. offensive material. They say this is a product of its time, mm-hmm. and they uh, and to and to. Uh, to not show this or to alter it is a uh, is, to, is to try to deny that that time happened and we are, we have grown past this. Mm-hmm. But that that that's a like that that's a show they sh- like they, they don't have to show that. But okay. in, in the case of Wizards of the, in, in the case of, the, of of Forgotten Realms for Wizards of the Coast, this is like this is something that they keep adding on to. And they keep showing, and they keep—they haven't changed. So I feel like they should—they should have addressed this. So what, what, do you want, what do you want change? What do you what do you want to change? It's, it's, it's not—it's not about no. like, I, I, like there's nothing specific. Again, that's why I, I agreed because there's just too the many problem. things. There's too many things, but the major ones at least. What's the, the major, major ones? The, the, fight? The, sorry, the evil races and the, and and the, and the blatant racism. Okay. Like the Vistani, yeah, that's 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 very like very very offensive. Uh, all, like the half orcs. Uh, there's a Greyhawk is a setting, and there's like literally exactly one good uh, dark elf in the entire thing. And oh yeah, he's legendary because he decided to be good. Like okay. that type of thing. Like yeah, that's a that's a big problem because you know. Uh, some of these things can be player characters, and if your player character, oh yeah, you like you're inherently evil, but if you want to play a, a, a good, uh, you know, a good uh, aligned character for this, then the DM, uh, depending on how he's handling the situation, of course, uh, would either entirely alter how the world views this race. Hmm. Or just subject subjected to what would be the racism towards this race, and that's that's a problem because it's just written down, and that's why they need to change that those things. Like, 
That's that's the problem. And they've, <clears throat> they've addressed it, and, you know, conscious culture of everything, but it's just like a band-aid. It works. Like, it, like it's an all-encompassing band-aid. Like, the, the biggest band-aid of them all. <laughs> so that's why it works. Stop on Zancielo with a band-aid. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was like there's a crack in the there's a crack in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, you stopped it, but is it really fixed? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have gone back to books. I don't know which ones, but they've gone back to like you know restructure old stuff and old texts and stuff. I mean, I guess maybe what witchers should do instead of being like the, the scatter scatter shot approach of just fixing what they think needs to be fixed, maybe they should ask the fan base like in a survey or something. What do you guys think we should be fixing? They they have a survey for Unearth Arcana every month. They throw they throw one oh, out. Okay. Every true. other month. Okay. Okay. They could just do that. Like it's not like. But there you go. They, they should, like the no. problem. The problem is reading the reading the like if it, if it's written down comments, that's a problem because because um, yeah. uh, usually those surveys are like, did you like this? You know, these are the options, etc., etc., etc. And maybe at one point you can write comments. So maybe if they do it that way, because if you just write comments, it'll be impossible to just read them mm-hmm. all. Yeah, of course. All right. So I want to go ahead and uh, see what John has to say about it as yeah, well. Yeah. Well, uh, again, like I am, there's one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm with Orengo in this one, but going back to those old books to, you know, I would understand it that I, there is no fixing if you go back to the books and changing things, because there's people that might still have those books. Those books will original trans, uh, original books may be already PDF by somebody that has them due to that we all know that these books or any book due to humidity or to many years of having it like in a shelf or anything pages get yellow they can get damaged or uh, because a hurricane or any natural disaster happened they get destroyed and some people already have this in pdfs i would it's interesting and it's good that they want to like go back to like relaunch the books like okay we understand the the people and the fans that we have now these new players um gen z uh they're very like worried about these things and they want to you know uh have those to bring in new players and i'm okay with that the thing is is it's like jp said it's a big bandage you know you need to you need you're, you're putting just something on top of it and you have to, like Orengo said, it's very nitpicking because then you have to, in your future books, be adding more characters. When a company like a company like Wizard of the Coast plans things super way ahead, like probably right now the I know that there's a book that it's about to launch or that already launched. That book would have been planned maybe six years ago. And they're like, okay, this is our timeline. This book is going to be teased and launch in this date. And probably when they launch that book, they're already thinking about, okay, what's D&D going to be from here in six more years? That's why I say that I'm okay with you at with they adding new characters, with they fixing um, language on their books, on their storylines. 
due to like give a little bit much more clarity like that people don't think that oh wizard of the coast is this wizard of the coast is that but besides that a lot of we we all know that there's been a lot of issues with wotc with their employees they're not that you know in the office they are not that diverse we have we have in the article you can see that there is a big complaint uh with one of their freelancers that they kept stealing his ideas they kept they 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 never include him when they you know when they uh uh, how do you say when they employed him and then a tweet to like they never include him when they like uh say like the credits for like who took part in the project exactly yeah yeah it's right there in the in the in the article like he said mm-hmm. oh uh i don't he never mentions the name of the uh, i think he never mentions the name of the of of the person who was that was in the meeting but he's like oh uh he used all my idea that i wrote him in the in the email and he presented it like if it was wow. his idea, you know, and that is something big, you know, again, skimmed over that part. Oh, I am, <laughs> I am not against with they rewriting and fixing their books to relaunch them because I understand that this generation that is popping out now, they're, they're very, very like, um, how can we say like, they're very, very woke, woke. Yeah. That word. Uh, I, okay. Before anybody that is watching us slams me i don't know nothing about this generation slang so <laughs> bear with me good old man guys <laughs> so i think you know, more than more than woke this generation has just been very vocal about what yes. they like and like don't like and what they want it's uh, like sure there is like you know i guess that when you use the word woke yeah there are more people that are more aware of a lot of like social mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that but uh what kind of is remarkable about these newer generations uh in which we are kind of included in but also kind of old for, like we're in our 20s we still have like a lot of a lot of the old <laughs> stuff you know that you got know, ingrained by society say, in our, in our minds say in my argument that i think that even though we're technically speaking part of it mm-hmm. i think it depends on like how you were raised because yeah. i we have been we've been together in the same room you know mm-hmm. and we've seen people in this in the store in our in our local game store that don't think like us and mm-hmm. they're like either younger than us or about our age so it's mm-hmm. like you get the best of both worlds so it's really interesting but mm-hmm. i prefer you know that these books be revised for like new players you know what wizard of the coast does not do with magic um but you know they do it for dnd sorry i, I had to i had to put it he's, there he's been um, jabbing at Watsi over here magic's <laughs> like hey you're doing lots of good things elsewhere where's like <laughs> exactly you know um <laughs> so like, the thing is the night you know i i actually do prefer when the dm whenever you have like a good dm I've been with Bruce with with Chris. I've been with Bruce um, with other DMs in the Metro side. I uh, the most biggest adventure or session I've been with is with Gile, uh, and you know where he where the DM gives you that liberty to create your character. You know you pick the base. Oh, I want to be a human paladin, neutral good or chaotic evil. Or, or whatever you want and you add your backstory I think that it's like the main thing I would prefer 
I think the surveys are super, super important if they want to move on forward for new content, for new books, new characters. But at the end of the day, not everybody that buys the book uses the adventures. You know what I mean? Uh, like there's, most there's of them add to that. There's something mm-hmm. very similar. Like, notice no, JP with like uh, a raging fire. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of like uh, there's been a very much lack of dungeon master uh, book for this edition of uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Instead of revising everything, they could just you know something that people have been asking for is another dungeon master book. Another like that would be nice. it's like a, a book that helps the dungeon master. Like I have the player's handbook, the dungeon master uh, guide, and I and I have like uh, a setting and Tasha's Cauldron. So Tasha's Cauldron is pretty new, but the the, the new master's guide is helpful, but it's still missing a lot of stuff. And having a like a dun- like a, you know dungeon master two uh, will help a lot. And just if they have an entire chapter. There's an entire chapter dedicated to, oh, look, these are all the publications we've, everything we've uh, publicized in Dungeons and Dragons, uh, 5th edition specifically, and these are the things we believe that that, uh, should be addressed, like the change for the Vistani, they don't have to do it like, uh, and the Crystal Strahd just keep on re-releasing. If they just add it to the Dungeon Master's Guide, because generally speaking, the Dungeon Master is the one who's going to be playing these characters. Mm-hmm. He's going to be exposing these characters. If the Dungeon Master has this information, he can properly adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. And totally just agree. That, so, like, uh, again... You know, what, you know what good product would be nice for, like, um, not for new players, for already... DMs that already have like of experience, they should make um, you know that there's the player's handbook, there's the dungeons master handbook, there's the monster guide, and then you have all the all these stories and the adventures, right? So they should put those three books like in a big collect uh big collector like edition. A yeah, a pendium of all of that together and make and and contract your most baddest hmm. amazing artists that you have and make a big nice cover or just make it those classic style like 50s 60s books with like hand stitching or whatever and be like here you go guys for like you know that's gonna be wizard of the coast for like 200 dollars. <laughs> you get this monstrous book and again if wizard of the coast if you guys do this you have to give all of us at least five percent. There's the starter kits. Bring the dungeon masters, like a dungeon masters guide, a player's handbook, and the monster manual. And yeah, but they're not. They're not like really detailed though. They're like yeah, yeah but, but they like also condensed like, versions. Uh, but at, at least the they have special editions of them. Mm. Uh, so when they come out, they have the the alternate art. Yeah, but they imagine it. Imagine the, it. JP, imagine you have like a 50s style, uh, let's call it a Dungeon Master's Pendium. <laughs> yeah, Compendium. Or how do you call it? Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Let's call it much more better. That's Dungeon's Master's Omnibus. And then you put like an art from John Avon or Mark Tedden on the front. And then like in the back, a big ass lore talking about like the Dungeon Master. And then on the side, those little creases and those little 
little designs. I got you, you know? covered. We just we just need Bob Ross painting a plane. That's all we need. <laughs> and before we continue, we got Auriel Voltari Rodriguez as leather bound. See? Oh, yeah. See? Really something nice like that. Something book. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And See, you know that that, that MSRP will be like 200 bucks. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, I do really love the idea. The only thing that just kind of like stabs at me a little bit is that, you know, I the feel price, like I, I know it's the price. I know it's, it's not the price. necessarily directly <laughs> to do with the pricing because I would be totally okay with seeing like a premium product like that. But at the same time, I feel like one of the really cool things about Dungeons and Dragons books, it's even though they are sitting at like sometimes anywhere in between a forty to sixty dollar mm-hmm. price range, it's also a price range that makes it really uh, easy to like get around. You know, like it's it's um oh, yeah, it's but, really you know, accessible. This is, that's why I'm saying you know this is a type of product that would that would be bought by mm-hmm. by a collector or somebody that. That, oh, yeah. don't, that, that wants to minimize their backpack and not have all those three books. You know what I mean? You know, have them all oh, in yeah. one giant. I remember carrying all five you, of my books. want to smack oh, somebody with it. At some point. <laughs> you know, yep. that, that's, that's what I'm saying. It would be a great premium product. Um, yeah. Going back to the, to, to the topic, I'm okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. Again, Wizard of the Coast, they need to change a couple of things, I think, in the company-wise, you know. They 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 should they should be aware of all the things that these players want. Um, they should make surveys for Magic the Gathering as well, like that they can care about us. Um, but yeah, we're fine. They they care about commanders, so we're good. Um, so uh, <laughs> so you know, I'm okay with it. I'm really great that they are noticing that these big or small. Uh, miniature companies are making more miniatures that they can get grab ideas or make collaborations because one of the things that I got me a little bit mad was when they so released uh, some like corporate copyright John how dare no 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 I said collaborations collaborations ideas if, if they go the, the extra mile on stealing stuff they can leave that to the lawyers but you know <laughs> so what i mean is the one of the things that got me really really mad was when the first uh dnd magic the gathering book came out the uh, the miniatures yeah the miniatures were not you know they were not accessible in the way that they were like booster packs these yeah. you couldn't buy a luxodon in in primer and paint it yourself you know you had to by a Luxodon Smiter that's already painted and it does not look like your character at all. That got me mad. Uh, no. I wanted my own pretty elephant in his paladin suit kicking some butt, you know. But oh, yeah. hey, wizards, come on. Come on. <laughs> really? We have a question. We have a question. Wait, wait, wait. Right. What y'all think about the impact of 3D printed miniatures on the market? Ooh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, Again, going back to the subject of accessibility, I think that having the ability to make these 3D printed projects and uh, put them out for people to like, you know, print at home and do themselves just makes it very accessible. It's much cheaper to uh, to either, you know, if you already own a 3D printer Mm -hmm. and you can print it out yourself, 
the cost of the material like how much material you're putting into a single figure is much cheaper than getting it at a store a lot of times uh because i do i do know that like the the, the 3d printing thread itself you know the printer is always expensive but the thread itself by like the amount that you get uh when you purchase it is just much more cost effective than you know paying even you know the 5.99 for the small like a medium-sized figure I actually, uh, for for myself, I think that um, if you know how to model in in any 3D program and you can model your your own designs and you can and you can resell them and as well make your terrains and have fun with your friends, that's a plus. You know, if you can make money out of it as well as having fun, I'm okay with it. You know, it's another uh, I would say artisan way to create another product because every every etsy or uh third party uh market that's out there for miniatures everybody has their style everybody has different ideas you know one of the things that i'm going to give like a big example of the when the first power ranger big power ranger miniature game came out the board game uh the company had their own miniatures but then people started making like their own bases or they started making their own rangers in 3d printed in different poses or with more details it brings more fun into the game you know and it's really nice to to have those ideas or or let's put it this way a lot of people when the mechanics came in from ikoria those counters we didn't have those counters to put them there's people that made 3d um files to print those counters and that's good the lifelink counters and the yeah. trample counters and flying and, counters and all and the then the exactly like that you can keep track on the mutate as well um <laughs> mm. you know but i'm i'm into it you know really like the 3d 3d printing of miniatures in the third market is really good it does not affect wizard of the coast because a lot of people just go and buy them you know they're like what $5.99 i think it is or depending wow. on the figure i know depending on the on yep. the miniatures what is the cost uh because i know that there's sets that cost like a hundred dollars i know that i saw one every it was really interesting there was the classic dnd set all of them were all like primered of old school dnd um characters and creatures that cost like a hundred dollars but people buy it because they like it you know it's a premium product at the end of the day. Yeah, and like uh, with the... Uh, yeah, go ahead, JP. I'm of the mind that it doesn't affect the market at all because I'm one of those players that just use uh, just uh, theater of the mind, so I don't even use miniatures. So it doesn't really it doesn't affect that at all. Yep. Yeah, yeah I just... Is, all you need is a dice. Yep. Dice and character sheet of like pen paper. Yeah, because like, if, if someone's gonna only 3D need dice print it, it, yeah, all you need. If you if you're gonna three D print a miniature or if you're gonna buy a secondhand Etsy Etsy, you're not the mark, you're not the customer anyways for the actual official miniature from from Watsy. And those things fly off the shelf anyway, so there's no like it's never a problem. Like exactly, even, yeah. Even during the yeah. pandemic, I've seen like in a lot of stores these things literally yeah. just fly off the shelf. Like sometimes I'm like, hey, you guys got new miniatures at the store? I'm gonna head down there in a few, and by the time I get there, like they've cleaned out like half the shelf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, I I'm really impressed that even though during the pandemic, D and D and other board games were still accessible in the 3D format. Yeah. 
and programs bur- bursted out of nowhere like to to have that access for people to play with their friends on 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 virtual so like us like we play commander virtually and it, it, it's obviously it's not the same experience because we're not together throwing jokes but still you know we're throwing jokes we're having fun we're can't look at Orengo's face to see when he's bluffing exactly yeah, that's the best part actually no one <laughs> and then <laughs> you, whenever you you see Orengo putting Orza and saying hey look I have this card that you guys can't tap anything and then you just want to kick his ass because you know there's nothing else you can do <laughs> <laughs> but I'm protected in my home, so you can't touch me. <laughs> like Christopher, we don't have to see his face to know how to bluff. Uh, like if he's bluffing, I just play my threat, he'll counter it, and then you guys have your 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 your. Uh, your put our threats out there, yeah. Just put down my Mirari's wake and watch everybody suffer. <laughs> oh, fuck, disgusting. <laughs> oh, but yeah. On, getting man. getting back to that to uh, talking about those miniatures though. Um, again, it just goes all the way back to the same thing that we've been talking about today and that's it's like the topic of diversity i really do think that uh uh 3d like printed miniatures especially because of how uh you can customize it and design it yourself if you have the tools or you can get someone to design them as well um really just let you do a lot more in like how you feel you want to be represented uh, represented because even though uh I, when i started playing dnd i was always you know just like jp you know theater of the mind but i really do like sometimes there's just some players at the table which aren't as imaginative as others and that representation helps to really get them into the game you know mm-hmm. and then for example i had a uh, a player of mine, he had a, uh, I think they're called, uh, the race is called Tortle. Um, basically just imagine Master, like Master Uwe. He's like, it's kind of like a big turtle with, and then his was like, uh, his was turtle, a cleric. Turtle, turtle. Yeah. So his was a cleric and he had like, you know, his clerical staff and he just, he had it. I can't remember if he either had it designed or if he bought it off of like, because uh, I know someone 3D printed it for him, I think it was. Uh, point is that, you know, I personally did have not seen any turtle figures, and even if I think I might record, like recall seeing a turtle figure, but a lo- uh, for a lot of these more, I wouldn't say obscure, but like, um, I guess lesser known or lesser used uh, races that aren't like, let's say, in the core books, like the Player's Handbook or the Dungeon Master's Guide, especially the Player's Handbook, which is where the players get their races from. Um, you know, like there just isn't enough representation in, this fi- in, in these uh, in these uh, figures because a lot of times you're missing, for example, classes. You don't sometimes you don't get like miniatures for every single class that you can possibly make using a certain character. You know, um, you might see a turtle, and the turtle like they'll start off with like a turtle. Let's go crazy and say it's a turtle monk, and you know he have his like all the details and all the uh, but like about the monk itself. But you know. Within the monk, you also have subclasses. Even by going through the uh, through the core books, you have like uh, uh, I think it was called like Path of the Sun. I don't think that's core, is it? Is for is it from another book? It's like a Path of the Sun. I think it was not Path. It's uh, like a like Sun Monk. So he has like, basically just shoots like Hamon and Sun powers out of his fists. Mm-hmm. Um, 
pretty much yeah it's just like a goku jojo's kind of dude <laughs> um and let's say you have a figure of that but then you know watsi doesn't put out stuff for let let's say like a portal cleric in the case of my friend or like a total portal barbarian like you'll you do have them for the more i guess you can say classic races like orcs humans uh i've seen some tabaxi figures but i haven't seen a lot of tabaxi like as other classes as well so again i just think it adds a lot to that to that visual representation and how you know just people want to be able to like let's say you you have that wheelchair character going back to the article um wizards of the coast has never put out a wheelchair character and, and that responsibility doesn't have to fall completely on wizards of the coast which is one of the other points i wanted to make here about uh you know should the players have that weight on their shoulders entirely or if uh, wizards should either take that uh take that burden in itself or if they should simply share share in it and be part of the community i think that one of the good things that wizards can really do and that they've kind of started to do with this whole wheelchair thing especially like specifically is uh they've you know you can actually see them taking um feedback from the community and honestly even though i i wouldn't say that wizards has been horrible at it but it isn't all that common to see wizards take like such direct feedback from the community like sometimes the magic community is over here going nuts and wizards is like working on their other project on another side which is understandable considering that again wizards being a company has to plan all their stuff really ahead of time mm. um and getting back to like you know whether that responsibility falls on the players or not I guess it really depends on your type of DM and the type of people you like playing with in your community. Because while I don't think that the, respons the responsibility should entirely fall on the players and that um, wizards should take a more proactive role in the community, um, I do also think that you there's people that have, <clears throat> excuse me, certain styles of DMing. So you'll have someone, <clears throat> excuse me, damn, you'll have someone that's more of a rules lawyer and they'll just go with like everything that's printed like you want to use something in my campaign it's, it's got to be on paper it's got to be in the books it's got to be on the player's handbook it's got to be on the tasha's cauldron or the Eberron. and that's okay i i do like playing that way with certain people but there are some times where i just want to think out the box i want to get stuff from unearth arcana i want to homebrew my own stuff i want to like in one of my past D, &D adventures i was a plant I was basically a, uh, a a cactuar, but just not from the desert. I was just like a different little, like kind of like pine-looking plant. <laughs> and yeah, like I said, it just really goes down to like how people prefer to play the game, and and the fact that wizards uh, could also take a more proactive approach. So I think there has to be like um, what's this called? Like cooperation on both parts, basically. Um, speaking on the reprints and the uh, like, the errata basically that Wizards has, uh, has been trying to like work through on their books. Um, I agree with you guys on a lot of points, and what I do think is that what's already printed, people are going to try to find a way to get their hands on it if they if they really want it, and that I think it's totally okay to like you know change things so that they match the times i guess you can say not get rid of the old content because that old content is something that again uh like uh like i think it was uh, either john or uh or alejandro that was mentioning it, if i'm not mistaken um these things are a product of their time and to simply try and act like that they was did. jp 
it was JP. Sorry about that, JP. <laughs> um, they're a product of their time, and to simply like stamp them out or act like they don't exist just doesn't actually, um, I guess you can say, point. make as much of a like statement. That was the opposite of my point. Hmm? Oh. That was the opposite of my point. Like, uh, because because of the, the the Warner Brothers Looney Tunes thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know they're they're showing a rerun of something, not making yeah. new products, not making something new. So to, yeah. stamp, to stamp out something that's old, that's a rerun, is bad because you know it's like something mm-hmm. that never happened. But to keep on adding new things that don't address them is is the bad thing. So. Mm. No, I do see what you. I do see what you say, though. Uh, what I'm trying to get at mostly is that you know we shouldn't like stamp out and yeah, definitely like not add to it. More like I don't know. I feel like it's already there, and that we have like right now with what Wizards is doing, we have a chance to like I don't know how to say this. Kind of like move forward, I guess, and just be able to do a different spin on things and have the liberty to change your canon if you'd like to, because it's not like these stories are gonna go anywhere. Um, and I think that people should be very conscious of D&D's history because there have been a lot of articles that talk about how D&D in the past has had a very, um, I guess you can say racially charged history, especially when we get back into uh, the classes and not the classes, I'm sorry, the race, the different races. Like you literally have races that have beef with each other. Sure, they talk about like oh yes i the dwarves have beef with the elves because the elves always cause the damned apocalypse but at the same time like i just it's also a good chance to talk about like using these settings these old settings and giving them a new twist not necessarily from part of wizards of the coast but from part of the players the dms um giving them kind of like a new twist or doing some changes in it to address some real world problems in your fictional setting is really interesting because part of dnd to me personally isn't just what's written and what's uh like what the lore is but also how like all of the social and uh well pretty much all the social implications that all of these uh that these themes and that these uh changes to the races have um for example in my dnd setting i had this very specific thing in which in my world uh to be a paladin you exclusively had to be human because it's supposed to be set in a uh, in a content in a continent which is heavily uh, racially divided, and it just doesn't get into uh, it doesn't only like kind of get into uh, like oh these guys uh, harmed my race a thousand years ago, so they're bad. No, it it also talks about how like it's not just about a struggle for like you know like. Uh, the, I'm gonna kill you. No, it's also about like power. How because dividing people is a very uh, powerful strategy for you to take control, like making making divisions. So part of what uh, some of the kingdoms in my D&D setting have done is divide, divide, like turn the people against each other so that they can like have these. Uh, this much more control over how the people think and what they do. Um, I don't want to give an, 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 like too many spoilers about it because I do want to uh, go like actually uh, play through that adventure with you guys someday soon. But yeah. 
Mm. All right, so I think we can go ahead and move on to the uh, to our next subject here, which is talking about the new uh, Wizards of the Set Coast that'll be coming up. Um, yes. <laughs> we have Dungeons we were and like, Dragons, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Backstage, we were like, he took over the whole thing. So we're just yeah. going to let him. <laughs> yeah, let him talk. I just went off. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I was about to be like, hey, Chris, aren't you going to leave more, all that information for that sh- that episode that you want to make special? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you went, like, we, guys, if we let Chris talk about DND, we'll lose him. Like, <laughs> you'll lose us talking about magic, but, like, Chris goes overboard. With D and D, like damn. <laughs> but our next topic of the night is adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Is that D and D set that is gonna come for Magic: The Gathering? That's going to be legal in the standard format. It's not that thing that they made with this little product right here. Give me one second. You know, like this product right here. It's nothing like this. It's going to be available for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, accessibility, so we, John. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, we really don't know that much of what's going to happen here, but I think we should focus on this question right here. There's thanks to Shane Garrett um, that he asked us when we were talking about Dungeons and Dragons and the whole and the whole diversity. Um, thing uh so his question let's repeat it again for everybody that's joining in um do you think party cards will see an increase in play perhaps cards like tajurus paragon paragon or do you think the creature types will be everywhere dragons demons dwarves anything possible he's super excited about this set so what do you guys think about this? About I've this set? Enough, so because, y'all go first. <laughs> because, huh? I've talked enough, so y'all go first. <laughs> so let's go with Orengo. Um, yeah. What do you think about this? I know this is going to be another book as well. If I'm not mistaken, they're going to make this a uh, D&D book as well while the set is out. Uh, what do you think, Orengo? What do you expect? What do you speculate that we're going to see in this adventures in the forgotten realms set for magic the gathering first of all i think it's super weird that we're having a set that's from like something different like it was cute when it was godzilla and it was cards that were just different versions of the same card and it wasn't cute when they did it with like the walking dead (laughs) it's just bizarre to me having a standard legal set that is about D&D. It's so bizarre to me. And it's just, I know it's the same company. Like, you know, the crossover is so so tiny because, you know, it's it's the same company. It's just Wizards and and, they, and Wizards, like with, uh, with D&D, they already did their crossover with Magic several times. So I guess it's not surprising. I just find it weird in my Magic world. Uh, we're going to have the Little Planes, which is in D&D world. It's just, it's bizarre. Um, but beyond that, answering the question i i feel like if there's no party mechanics it'd be weird and stupid 
uh, from Wizards' part because I mean they, they did establish that party mechanic, and like you know the the archetype is that has to include a clerk, a rogue, a warrior, and a wizard, which is like very synergistic with what a lot of people consider D and D to be like on a very classical classical sense. So it's it'd be stupid not to include the party mechanic. I do think it will see increased play like right now when Kaldheim comes out actually because of the changelings and the shapeshifters there's so many changelings and shapeshifters right now that it is possible to have a very decent party deck uh maybe like tier 2 tier 2.5 until we get the other the dnd set which will most likely have more party mechanic cards um but it, it, it should be like more playable now because of the changelings and the shapeshifters which probably was this done by design so we could play more with the party mechanic in the previous set and in the set coming in the future uh in part part by wizards like they did strategically um i don't know if it will be like super overpowered because the party mechanic there's just a very few cards that have like very good upsides when you actually have the full team so most of them is just like gain two life for every creature in your party it's like so stupid but then there's like broken cards like you know counter or so, stuff like that um and discount spells which are very good um however like he also mentions do you think there'll be creatures creature types everywhere i feel yes everything that's very classic to dnd beyond the party mechanic for like that the dragons demons dwarves it will be like, you know, a, 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 a little Avengers of all these creature types are very uh, symbolic with D&D that you've seen like in all, all throughout Magic's history. They will be in here. And I feel like it will be a very classical classical set in terms of, of that, you know? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know much about D&D. So I, I just know like the basics. You, you throw your dice, you have your, your wizards and your clerics and you fight dragons <laughs> and you go in dungeons. It'd be cool if they did like a little like uh, adventure, like they could do adventure again. I was thinking something more akin to like doing a quest. So instead of like going on off an adventure, they do something like there's a card like in Hearthstone. There's this mechanic, which is, I think it is the quest card, which is always in your starting hand. I know it sounds like companion, but hear me out. It's a spell. So it's like a one mana spell. And then you cast it. You kind of have it there. And then when you complete the, the requirement, you get an upside. It'd be kind of cool if you did something like that, like a Hearthstone style. It might be too broken, probably. But um, I don't know. It, it sounds cool. Like, it'd be cool if they have, like, implementation of, like, throwing a d20 at something. Like, oh, you won. You put your beefy dragon and then if you want to boost it you have to throw a d20 and if you do a crit you do 20 damage to the face and you win something stupid oh no be cool uh, you mentioned the party mechanic being mostly gimmicky but like the gate mechanic from guilds of, like the guilds of ravnica and that and war of the spark and just adding more guild ahead uh, you know the guild gates uh, that deck was actually pretty damn strong it was it's yeah but, but so, I- so so even so if they add just more payoffs it could be your actual thing. Yeah, I mean, I hope. Like, as it standed with the few cards that they did bring out in those two sets, it was enough to have a really good budget deck that actually, like, won your FNMs easily. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as it stands now, the party mechanic is, is crap. And it, you know why? It's because of the stupid land. If they made that stupid land not come untapped, it would have been so much better. 
because they, I guess they were afraid of making that land. Um, Which land? The one that you can create mana for? For your party cards. For your, your party for your, cards, It has to be right? for your cleric, rogue, warrior, wizard. Like, okay. Yeah, but yeah. it comes tapped. Stupid, it's tapped. It, it was so stupid. It's a rare land, too, I think, or it's an uncommon land. I but think it, it was rare. I think it was, it's rare. It comes untapped. It like Jim Davis played, played when the set came out. He tried to do the party deck, he really wanted to make it work. But his complaint was that he kept losing, and it was because the stupid land came tapped, so he couldn't like put out the one, one, two, and three drops that he needed to put on early. And I guess it was because Wizards was afraid of this party mechanic going nuts, which. You know what? Probably when when the D&D sets rolls around, we'll probably have another stupid land that kind of like, you know, helps out the party mechanic anyway. So um, mm -hmm. it's dumb. So um, there's one thing that you mentioned about the whole D20. Yeah. It's funny because in the unstable set, we had the sword of Dungeons and Dragons. That's why I mentioned it. You know, like cool whenever you more. attack, you roll a dice and it, it's a 20. You make a, I think it's a 4-4 dragon, is it? Yeah, or something, yeah. Or I think it's something more broken. 4-4 like gold dragon, yeah. four, four, You get a 4-4 four, four gold dragon and something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it buffs your creature, I think it was. I don't remember. There's a but, Dungeon Master Planeswalker. Oh, right! They gave, they gave as a gift, I think, to judges or something like that. It was one of those cards that they print like for Wizards employees, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's the one. Yep. Yeah, and I think I for the D twenty thing too. Yeah, I, I remember I searched for it in TCG. It was not that expensive. It's no, it's, it's like a hundred dollars or less. You can find it for less. But it, it really cool. It would be cool to like in that set have a dungeon master, um, planeswalker that you can actually use as a commander mm -hmm. for EDH wing mm -hmm. wing wizards. <laughs> Why not? We Five don't need colors. you to have more. We don't. We don't need you to have more planeswalkers. That's true. <laughs> we, do not, we do not need more. That is. I agree. I agree. The dungeon master legendary that? creature. How can no. you say that? Like, it has to be a planeswalker. It has to be. There is no. Lore. There is no cow diamond cards that I can add for my Golos command. Come on. Aww, just just <laughs> three, maybe five, maybe seven. You saw yeah. that you like. <laughs> so JP, what do you think about this? What are your expectations? What do you think it's coming or what mechanics, you know, what do you expect about this new DND set? So I just expect I really do expect the classic and very uh like key monsters. Like I'm just thinking if a beholder, like there's the horror uh like subtype for creatures. Uh, just a uh, beholder, maybe a mind flayer. We're always gonna have to have dragons. Uh, just those would be really cool. Like mind, mind it's like vampires can also be there. There's just so many creature types that can just be very diverse. I'm just thinking about the specific uh, like uh, like legendary legendaries uh, or possible legendaries. Uh, like key characters throughout the entire Forgotten Realms history. I'm thinking also like they have like so many gods. I don't think they're gonna add more gods because generally speaking, gods are in, gods in the Forgotten Realms are more detached than uh, sometimes you might think they are because it just depends on the DM and the, there's only like so much lore about them. Like they're, they're very significant, but I don't think they're just gonna add all gods. Cause it's just too many. And even if they add a few, 
uh, which ones are they gonna add? Not 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 all of them are as re- relevant as all of as others. So we need McGlubby at the Goblin God. No. <laughs> uh, if anything, we're probably gonna get this. The, he's the God of Light. Forgot his name. He's like probably like the most important one. But anyways, uh, I really do hope the party mechanic comes back. I I mentioned this in one of our previous podcasts when we were talking about this uh, this and future sets. Uh, and like I mentioned with uh, Orengo, uh, Alejandro, uh, maybe this party mechanic becomes actually pretty good for you know a decent budget deck where you have two times like the card the amount of cards. And uh, maybe combining them just ha- yield g- a good deck. It'd be it'd be fun to, to watch. I probably won't play it because I don't really play standard. But it'd also be pro- fun to play in in in, in limited. Uh, I w- I would really play that. Yeah, that, that that could that could be really nice. So yeah, yeah. I I I see this set as a set that you can have a lot of fun for drafting. You know, I I draft a lot in in arena just because it's like my favorite format in arena <laughs> um just building those janky decks and and win <laughs> um but i think this set is going to be super ex- interesting like i'm really up for it uh the mechanics i would love to see the party mechanic come back any type of like sub mechanic like adventure would be cool uh but like orengo said like uh you know something different with a different name like let's call it quest or something that it's entitled or in that rhythm of dnd uh, it would be super nice isn't this replacing the corset right you mentioned that it's basically replacing there's not going to be a 2021 corset or yeah. like the 2022 so like, corset yeah, so it's just going to be this one so maybe there's no new mechanics just returning ones Probably yeah. That could so also that makes that, 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 can, that makes a bit more sense in, the, in that case. Like yeah, oh yeah, it, you're gonna return I, you party know, adventure and you know although although everything more like yeah like haste trample all the other stuff. You know I see this this little change of not having corsets again, <laughs> <laughs> and we all that the issue was when that uh, when 2021 came out, so many reprints, so many versions price is tanked you can you can get an ugin for like 20 dollars now <laughs> i still need one you still need one <laughs> cheapo, cheapo man so cheap like i i remember when i went to pick up uh my cord set 2021 pre-releases you know the lgs stores had already still that thing that you buy a pre-release you get two booster packs so I opened both of my kits in the store. I got two pre-release Scrylands because luck, but the 2021 box that was available to pick booster packs, I pulled an Ugin and I'm like, nice. GG. That, that box, nothing else is worth it in there. Yep, literally. <laughs> you know, but I'm really excited. But you know how I see this? You know that in... You know that in Yu-Gi-Oh! and in Pokemon, they make like sets just for, you know, to boost either some standard decks that already are like already in like in the top and they like boost, give them boost or they make this sets. Like right now in Yu-Gi-Oh! 
there is this new box that costs like 15 bucks that's called um i think it's legendary of the blue eyes something like that so it boosts like the blue eyes white dragon meta deck or whatever so i see this these sets instead of coming like core sets these sets are coming into boost decks that are already in in the meta and sadly i'm going to mention that i hope this set brings a lot for white yeah i'm white right now clerics and paladins are very important like gods clerics paladins are very very like paladins are probably the most broken class in in dungeons and dragons like specifically fifth edition uh, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about other class, uh, other because I'm not in second edition. Clerics are probably the strongest because they're they have broken abilities really early mm-hmm. on. Uh, so and those are like those two things are very much uh, based on white and white's principles. So those could be a thing. So yeah, uh, but also but also mentioning you mentioned that, that forgotten just like forgotten realms. Uh, will boost established decks. While that may be true, do you think? Do you really think Watsi uh, knows what decks or what combination of cards will be meta, considering their their current their, their like their current uh, street you know, bands? You know, if they hadn't banned anything, Oko would still be there. Once upon a time. Yeah, but the like, thing is that I mentioned it. You know why I mentioned it because um, Star City Games. They always have this versus, not the commander versus. They have the versus of the decks that they build without with the new cards mm-hmm. for the standard. And some of those decks that they build, they do make it to the to those meta decks. Yeah. And that's why I mention it. So probably they are paying attention to Star City. Now that Star City has like, you know. Not now, my bad to saying now, but you know that Star City has their own tournament system that for every Star City tournament that you go, uh, you get points and you be, you can become the Star City uh, Games champion for Magic. And it's basically the same system from, from Wizard of the Coast, but way better. Uh, you know, so... Take note. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and that's what I mean, you know, because a lot of uh, a lot of standard players, they always are paying attention to these content creators that build. They pre-build these decks with with new cards like that. They can go ahead and copy paste them on their MTG Arena or MTG Online or Untap to test them out. And they then make them in paper magic, like that they can test them out. I say this because I did it once for the time that pirates were were in Ixalan. And those decks were super uber fun. You know what I mean? And but, but wizards can't pre can't plan that that late in advance, like that late into the into the into the system. So when it's like it's like jp says like how 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 much foresight can they really have beyond stuff like maybe the party mechanic which seems like the obvious thing to do or like maybe the adventure mechanic but beyond that they're going off the premise that oko would still be in the format by the time that dnd set comes out and that omnath will probably be a deck because they designed it that way for it to be still in in the standard format so they can't like think so far ahead and if they I'm not going to say 
I'm not gonna say that they're thinking far ahead. I'm just saying like, you know, based on what other other companies do for for their games, for their card games, you know, like having these subsets to like but boost decks or anything. I just mean it like in a way like to boost colors because right now in Caldime, there's this stupid red card that gives you mana whenever you cast something. Yeah. You cast a 1-1, one, one, mana. You shock a thing, mana. Yeah. Then let's say that you want to lightning bolt another thing, mm-hmm. mana. And oh, then- you a loop? Oh, you have infinite mana now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, wait, there's a catch there too. It could be your end phase and you still have mana. Mana, mana. yeah, which is stupid. Exactly, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they can go ahead and say, hey, let's make more retarded like red cards. You know what I mean? Ones. That you guys should see the professor video if you haven't I seen. I did. It. Okay, I did. that uh-huh. video is amazing. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about it next week because that yeah. professor video is worthy of, of obviously not now because not everyone's seen it, but not every, exactly. Yeah. Next week is definitely worth talking about that for sure. So let's go ahead and then Chris Pop. didn't say anything, man. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, that's what I'm going to. Like, we're going to go ahead and leave our DND specialist. <laughs> but, but remember, Chris, we're talking about magic now. <laughs> I, know, I know. I know. I know. I know. Why are we talking about magic here? Magic. Um, All right. So, but Chris, what do you think? What do you think about this set? Are you excited? I, I will. Wait, why am I asking that question? I know you're excited. Are you excited, excited though? Are you? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Okay. No, so, but... go ahead and, and give your taste of knowledge to our people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, one thing that has me really excited, like uh, they were mentioning in the comments over here before from, uh, from Shane Garrett, uh, I am so excited about that party mechanic. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this last time we kind of spoke about the set. Um, I think this is a great chance for not only Wizards to come back to the party mechanics, since like you guys mentioned, uh, this basically substitutes the, substitutes the core set, but just kind of reinforce the mechanics that we've had with the past sets, because you have new mechanics from Theros, you had a, a it's not Unearthed, I forgot the name of it right now, uh, but basically, you know, you, uh, you take it like from the graveyard and put it onto the battlefield. Uh, you know, the mechanic that the Giants had, like Udo, I forget the, I forget the name. Does anyone remember the name of that mechanic? Was, um... Which, mm, which one? The one that got introduced with, uh, with Theros. Uh, shoot. I'll Constellation? Escape? Escape. Yep. There we go. Oh, okay. Escape. So, Constellation's old. Yeah, it, Constellation's it, old. Yeah, yeah he, said, he said Theros, so I'm like going way back <laughs> oh yeah no but um with that new mechanic being inserted i don't necessarily specifically with that one i feel like in a certain context it quote-unquote only works in theros quote-unquote because it could still i can still see how it can work in uh for example a set like D, you have like bringing gods into it like a god that escapes from like something or like uh, some or like a character that escapes death etc uh which could definitely work but more like you know let's say with the party mechanic uh D is like you know every time you're gonna go on a D adventure you're, Wait, you're, isn't, you're isn't there a card in caldime that says that whenever you play a card that has not been played in your hand something happens you draw a card you draw a card yeah yeah I think so. I'm not 100% it's, sure. It's, it's, in Azori, it's in Azoria's bird. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, Orengo's favorite blue okay. bird. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, you said from the Caldime side? Yeah, yeah. From Caldime side. Oh my bad. No, I was thinking of um I was thinking of Theros still. My mind was still in Theros. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that bird. Oh, that bird. Yeah, so I don't specifically think that they're going to, or maybe that they even should bring back the uh, the escape mechanic. But you know, with example here, using the party mechanic as like the main example, considering that you know D and D is like you know about making a party, and uh, and using that party to like you know triumph. So that's what you're looking for here, just making your winning party strategy. Yeah. Um, I, I cannot see myself. We have here D and D Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> be, yeah, I'm just giving. Be. I'm just giving the people the topic, <laughs> the dude. Topic, the topic <laughs> of what we're talking about. That is very true. Yeah, but um, again, since it is substituting the core set, I do want, like, I specifically want them to bring back not only the party mechanic, but just kind of, you know, if they can try mutate, if mutate somehow works in the lore of Forgotten Realms, please bring back, like, I don't know, maybe mutate is kind of a mess, but just bring back, like, some of these mechanics that are just missing some sort of part. Mutate back? Yeah, that's the Ikoria mechanic, right? I'm saying that, right? Mutate? Yeah. Why? Gross. I like it. See, look, at, look at look at Orengo. He's he's like no. And when I, you mentioned when you mentioned the, the escape mechanic, I almost had a stroke. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that, look at JP's serious face. Like he's oh, like just, no. Just 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 I saw something else over oh. <laughs> I sent it. I was like, what? What in the world is this card? This is the first time I've seen this card. And oh no. Why did why is this a thing? <clears throat> Which one? Mystic reflection. It's just uh, one in a blue instant. Choose target non-legendary creature. The next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn, they enter as copies of the chosen creature. Which you can foretell. And Which you can foretell for one. It's yeah. an instant. Oh, so, wow, yeah, you haven't so, seen that card so, yet. <laughs> so I, I, I... Oh, look, this is in a blue-white tokens deck, and you just play a, a giant token maker you'd make a billion tokens but you had a really really big creature or a really effective creature and you just make all those copies what's wrong with that that's fine it's two hundred it's it's, it's okay it's, doing, it's fine what do you mean what's wrong with it you can foretell it for one like it's like it can be a one costed instead of two which you know blue always needs cheaper stuff oh yeah sure and the blue player speaks. <laughs> Amen. And then you guys, then you guys tell me that you guys don't want me to find more planeswalkers. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah, I was just, I was just perplexed. Like I was just looking through the through the spoilers uh, that I missed. Oh, I saw that. You guys, you guys know. Putting this off the top, um, you guys know that apparently spell books are not coming in no more oh right. yeah yeah because they're gonna keep doing those commander freaking things. commander collection things that are way too expensive so your cycle will be forever unfinished um, they were missing only two right they were missing yeah like, they were missing, missing Liliana. Liliana. why don't why not just finish the cycle it's too like just I, give I me my demonic tutors just give me my vampiric tutors Yo, they'll Ooh. give it to you in a commander exactly thingy arsenal thing whatever i don't know what the name was it. commander collection 
right the commander collection you're gonna get it you're gonna get your little vampire tutor you're gonna get your beautiful damnation no, but, but I, you're gonna I, but get i could have gotten my liliana my, my liliana spellbook have the demonic right? tutor there no. because it's on theme demonic this tutor right wizards was never but then the commander the legends one could have had inside the commander one the black commander thing could have had imperial seal i agree I was gonna, just gonna mention that it's probably gonna have seal. Imperial Seal. It's probably gonna have it. It has to. Like it has to do it. Although but, I think it's on the reserve list, and I think that's the reason. No, it's, 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 it's not. It's not right. It's just, portal. Just it's, have it. Yeah, portal it's, Three Kingdoms. Like it's 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 just really really rare. Yeah yeah yeah. They should they should reprint it in that set specifically. It's just a it's a, a worse a worse vampire tutor. Yeah I know. So 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 you know it doesn't it doesn't affect like you know vampire tutor would be better but. Just three tutors, four tutors, one, one, ten tutors. What, what is black if not tutors? Exactly. Removal. Yeah, it's everything too. Because so why it's not a removal color, boy. Necropotence. Ooh, another necropotence. <laughs> Oh, necropotence! Uh, like you know, but necropotence uh, is cheap. They they actually do put expensive cards there. They are they are considerate of what is actually expensive. But, you know, you know, I would work for the green one. Everything exactly. there is expensive. Not really, no. Yeah, I would need to. Well, there's Sylvie Library. Sylvie Library, yeah. Yeah, or but you also forget, you also forget. Uh, sure, they have. Bane of Progress was fine, there, and that's fine, a two dollar card. Fine, yeah, and they had and they had the Commander Land, and they had the the, the Soul Ring. Fair enough, but you know, it offset costs because it had really mm-hmm. good good staples. Like, you know, God. one of the, the the thing is that the Jace. Spellbook wasn't, it didn't move that much, but people bought it anyway. Mm-hmm. The Gideon one was the worst. Everyone bought like these spellbooks because they look pretty, period. I, I yeah. got the Gideon spellbook. I, do I, I regret got my up. purchase? Partially. They <laughs> were the worst Gideon Planeswalker. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They did. But, but, no, like, but I, got I really liked how pretty everything in the box was. But when I looked at it and saw what I had in terms of value, not just monetary, but like the value of like the cards, I'm just like, nah. I well, there was just, a you know, path to exile and a, and a rest, rest, rest in peace. Rest so in peace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I but mean, the thing is, if you wanted to, I, I just feel like it's back, two out of like. Needed like, to get one of those two foil. Know? That is true. Yeah. Sure. You know, if you wouldn't get either the rest in peace or the path to exile foil, you're done. Yeah. You know, the value's not there. Then the Chandra one was good because the Planeswalker was the most popular one. That's the one from Paladash. And it it brought a lot of good cards. In my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, right now, well, I don't know now, but when I saw the professor's video that he was explaining the whole thing that the spell books are not going to come no more because of the gold green collection thing, um, commander collections. He he um he explained that right now in TCG Player you can find the Chandra spell books for like ten bucks. Yeah, There's you a know, surplus, a ridiculous surplus. Hold on, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm logging into TCG Player. You guys want anything? <laughs> Buy me one. <laughs> <laughs> my birthday is coming up and Al- and, and Alice, Alice's birthday is coming up that is true true and I, I still owe you a Kaya oh oh sweet in the deal <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like can I get the Kaya and the spell book 
very kind sir very kind but yeah so chris do you have anything else to add in for the dmd for the new set well, if it wasn't already like obvious, I'm super excited about it. Um, also, in another word uh, concerning how it might also substitute the core set, um, mm-hmm. I've noticed that core sets, even though they might bring like little tribal things, they don't like always concentrate on tribal. I don't know if someone can correct me if like I'm wrong on that. Like usually there isn't really much of a focus on tribal, just on like some more general mechanics. They, they just go back to basics. There's always like a real, yeah. weird spider. There's always like exactly. a dragon. Exactly. No, yeah. they, go, they go back to basics. Good goblins, good elves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, weird, yeah, weird spider. Well, big butt spider always. Like, you know, <laughs> hard, a lot of defense. You're going to mm. get your shock. You're going to get Light your gates because you need it. Bring back lightning bolt. Bring back lightning bolt. <laughs> no one ever brings. No. No. Yes. Now with the now with Necessary. this no no, no with this we need to be strong right now exactly it's gonna that be even be stronger so I know it's gonna be even stronger so we definitely thank That's God exactly thank why God, we need lightning bolt we gotta balance out the other colors thank God we no. don't even have lightning strike right now I'm so it's, happy there's no lightning strike either like can you imagine having lightning bolt with the new god it's like well. You see, like prophetic. What's it actually, called? Like prophetic uh, vision? Is it like it's uh, the no. basically bolt and you and you cycle like not cycle, well, not cycle the card, but you like uh, you put a card under your deck and then you draw another one. Uh, but the, there is there is a, a, a snow, a fiery tempest yeah. type thing. Like if you if you're playing snowman, it deals three damage instead of two to a creature. To yes. a creature. I know, I know. That's why it's a fiery tempest, not not. Well, the, yeah, but imagine, but imagine lightning bolt that it's any on target top of everything. That exactly, and then it's like let's say that you're playing versus mono green and you have the feasting troll. That's a 7-7. You're like, oh, I don't like your feasting troll. So I'm going to hit it with a lightning bolt. And then I'm going to hit it with another lightning bolt. And because I have two mana floating, I still go and do a shock <laughs> to destroy it, you know, to completely annihilate it. Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll see your this opponent so pissed off because you're like, really? Yeah. It's a three yeah. for one, but it's totally worth it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it becomes crazy for sure. You know, mm-hmm. like, no. No lightning bolt, no. So I was confirming over here. Yeah, we do have quote unquote a lightning strike kind of floating around there. The problem is that I don't think this one targets players, which nope. just sad. Yeah, no, that's yeah, it's uh, it's fiery prophecy. Time, no. no, it's a fiery prophecy. It doesn't target players, unfortunately. It just targets creatures. But you know, you can put a card from your hand to the bottom of your library, and then you draw a card. Mm-hmm. We need we need us uh, some some like something to smack somebody's face. I, I like. No, <laughs> there's already a well, Wait, isn't there one that it has kicker that if you pay, I think it's like five mana, it gets five damage into the face. But it's a sorcery; yeah. it's not an instant. Yeah, that is so. correct. Probably. Yeah, it's fiery, fiery eruption, something like that. Yeah, I think it it smacks like a creature, but if you pay the kicker, you can smack a player to the mm-hmm. face. No? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Sounds and cool. it's two cost, and it does, I think, three damage to target creature or planeswalker. I want to find it. I want to try to find it real quick because I want to make sure. But yeah. you know, but it's really interesting. You know that that I really don't know with this new twenty twenty one lineup for wizards. I really don't know what they're trying to do. 
we have two technically speaking two master sets we got the time spiral we got horizon coming back that that's really weird uh because again modern cards are still too expensive probably before, they or before you keep going uh was yeah. that was what set was that a uh, card that you mentioned from i don't remember i think it's from i think it's from now zendikar if i'm not mistaken uh yeah zendikar i think that's ro royal eruption as a sorcery. exactly yeah, deals three damage to any target if the spell was kicked yeah i found it it deals five damage instead yeah there you go the thing is it's sorcery speed it's not instant yeah, no, and that mana costs too. Let me see the mana cost again. Hold on. I think it costs uh, two. Yeah, it's an additional and... five. It's it's seven to deal five damage to someone's face. No. Mm. Exactly. Like, it's kind of situational. I think that it's, it's like, like you know, card, you're a red deck and you got someone at five life. You can't. They're kind of tapped, and you can just be like, okay, well, I got some extra mana on me. I you guess. Also have Exodia at it. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but remember this card um, in. Ah, oh, dang it! I forgot the set. Uh the the one that brought that wizard the wizard lightning uh, was it dominaria mm, the wizard yeah. lightning was broken because it was lightning bolt yeah yeah, yeah. but but in that beautiful. set there was this card that was um there was a pay three and you would deal i think it was five damage to to a creature Gaius, Gaius fire guys it was Gaius Gaius. Yeah, something like that. And then if you would have paid like, I think it was like 10 mana or 8. It deals like 20 or 10 damage. 10 damage, exactly. It's, it's kind call of that. the same. Jaya is mad. That's what <laughs> we call it for the time being. So that card was really good. It's like a like a last resort. Like if you have a lot of mana or your mana flooded, it's like I pay all of this, hit you for 10, you lose. <laughs> but that's not going to happen. But going to what i say uh so we have the time trial we have modern horizons again i still don't know why they're big bringing back modern horizon the last product was really good a lot of broken cards there you go that's the card fight with fire yeah and i used it a couple times in standard nice yeah me too um but you know there's this thing that we can we can talk about in another in another podcast that this issue with modern being expensive even though there's a lot of reprints the cards still maintain their like prices except ugin ugin is like for 20 bucks um but you know uh you can't still build like a very good budget modern deck and a lot of people are still kind of like i mean I, I guess annoyed because of that so we can talk about that in the um in another day uh so to be clear let's make it official today or i mean tonight so next Saturday's podcast, we're talking about the professor's video. No, yes, please. Be down unless we find something more interesting. But the professor video is very interesting. It is yeah. a little. It's the a professor little spicy. is interesting in a whole. Oh yeah, it's oh, a spicy. Yeah. It's a spicy <laughs> got topic. Some spicy yeah. content for us to talk about. Yeah. So, so guys, thank you for joining us. So before we we you know I I start saying goodbyes and closing in the podcast so chris where can people find you well um like i like i've always been saying i have been trying to pump out some content for twitch uh still got to do a few changes i'm actually uh doing some changes here got a new cpu so we're gonna get that in there but so soon i will start putting out some content on twitch at uh, crisscross 13 and you can find me you know sometimes you can find me on facebook and you can find me well here in the cardboard cave podcast how about you, JP? Where can they find you? 
You can find me here in the Cardboard Cave podcast, and you can find us in any audio format and on YouTube. You can also find us on our uh, Facebook channel at Cardboard Cave MTG Podcast. Nice. JP, do you have something to tell the people what you're cooking up for them? Oh, yes. I, ha I, have, I have a bit more detailed uh, in-guide depth, uh, in-depth guide for Cube. I'm going to try to make uh, between five to maybe um, six part series on just making a cube. And I'm just going to make a cube, maybe just call it the cardboard cave cube, the cardboard cube. I don't know, but uh, it's, it's, in the, it's in the works. Okay, nice, nice. So, Orengo, where can they find you? Well, you can find me here at the Cardboard Cave Podcast. You can find me at the Movie Guy Podcast. But most important, you can just Google me. Google my name. Google my name. I make movies. Alejandro Orengo. Go Google. Google it right now. I don't know who's here, but Google it now. Google my name. I swear, you're going to show, you're going to see my face everywhere in the Googles. So, Google me. <laughs> okay, guys. So, yes. Um, that's all of our hosts of this amazing podcast. This podcast will be available tomorrow in the audio format. If you guys want to go ahead and listen it to, um, you know, while you're driving or when you're going to, to go to the gym and you want to listen to great content you can go ahead and listen to us in any audio format. Plus guys, uh, I got to tell you guys, if you guys want your custom made, um, cups or tumblers or whatever i can call this i've been calling it a yeti even though it's not a yeti but if you guys want your custom um things <laughs> uh you can go to glitherin um alley shop is glitherin not slytherin so glitherin alley shop like you guys can get your custom tumblers of anything that you want and as well guys you can follow me on all my social media as big boss 117 um pr Plus, guys, if you guys are Spanish speakers, there is a reaction video in a Facebook page called Chichando, where we are, me and Orengo, funny, Orengo is um, portion of the reaction video, super funny. Uh, <laughs> but we are reacting every episode of WandaVision. So go ahead and check them out. You can see me as well in the Movie Guys podcast. And nothing, guys, we will see you in our next podcast on Saturday. At same hour as always at 9.30. And you know what we're going to be talking about. We will be posting our um, topic on Monday or Tuesday. And one more thing um, that I didn't do tonight is our main phase is that we are actually close to our fan cast. We're only missing Orengo's fan cast for the, Magic the <laughs> for the Magic the Gathering Um showdown that we have between us we're going to be posting all of our fan cast in facebook and you guys choose your favorite one and just in case for you guys to know there's one thing we are right now at 220 something followers when we get to our 250 goal okay i don't remember where i po posted the cards though dang it <laughs> this was not that found him <laughs> <laughs> so when we get to 250 we have four war of the sparks um sealed planeswalker stained glass cards for four lucky cardboard cave fans so if you guys um when we reach 250 
we're gonna go ahead and randomize all of your likes and choose four lucky winners so guys see you guys in the next one and here is yet again a message from our favorite local game store hey geeks do you love comics collectibles and tcg well here at cardboard cave we have the place for you pass by capitan granuja comics and games and find all your favorite geeky items there look for them at facebook or instagram or call them at 787-659-7003 a store blessed by nicole bolas